to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 17. Ephesians 5, verses 5 through 17. Last week, we talked about walking in the light. And we could have titled it Walking as Light because we are light in the Lord. It was because of a spiritual change, though. We've gone from darkness to light. It was an amazing spiritual change. And then there's the scene change when our lives bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about a separating change where we no longer have fellowship and dwell with the world. And this week we're still walking. We were walking in the light. Now we're going to walk as wise. We've been doing a lot of walking since we entered the second half of this study of Ephesians. Chapters 4 through 6 are all about our duty in the Lord. And much of it is referred to as walking. Chapter 4, four verse 1 talks about walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Verse 2 is talking about us walking humbly. Verse 3 through about the next dozen verses is talking about walking in unity. Verse 17 of chapter 4 is talking about walking in separation. Chapter 5 verse 2 is talking about walking in love. Then in the light. And now as wise. Wisdom. There's an error that is made by many concerning wisdom and what wisdom is. People think wisdom is being smart. People think wisdom is knowing. People think wisdom is knowledge. But that's not what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to apply biblical truth to our lives. To walk in it. It's not knowing, it's doing what we know. It's us carrying out the commands of the Bible in our daily living. But wisdom, some people just don't get it. If you're familiar with Vance Havner and the writings that are out about him and the things that he said in commentaries, you you would be familiar with a sense of humor if you know him. And he said, many college professors are searching for wisdom while the janitors that clean their offices may have discovered it years ago. It's not about an intelligence. But once we discover wisdom, we're to walk in it day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. We desperately need to walk in wisdom in this world. We're to walk in wisdom in a world that's without it. When we walk in wisdom, 
We don't need to be trying to win a popularity contest at the same time because it's not going to happen. If you desire a lot of likes on your whatever section of social media they call likes, I'm always a step behind. But if you want a lot of likes, you might not want to walk in wisdom because the world won't like it when we're talking about the wisdom of the Lord. Three things we're going to look at in wisdom tonight. Three things that are going to, to go into this we're going to see in three verses, 15 through 17. And that is, when we're walking in wisdom, we're going to be battle ready. We're going to be benefit ready. And we're going to be Bible ready. Let's look at how we need to be ba uh, battle ready in verse 15. Paul writes, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. When I was growing up, the neighborhood my school was in was separated from my neighborhood. There was a, a public road you could go out on and leave my neighborhood and go into the next one. But we had a bridge that we're just a little. A wood bridge, it probably was barely that wide, wood and chain link fence. I'm going back to my childhood now. This is elementary school, and, and we'd walk across that bridge to school. I guess it was only a walking bridge because there was a pole at both ends, the en both entrances. But they didn't want bikes on it, I guess. But if you popped your wheelie just right and you tilted your bars, had good timing on that, you could just fly right past it. We tried to show off. In that, and you know, people aren't as safe today. I mean, people are safer today as they than they used to be. Everybody's worried about somebody getting hurt, but it was 30 feet down to the bio, and there would be three boards missing, and we thought nothing about it. We just jump over them, run to run to school. They finally shut the bridge down though to fix it. So we thought, well, we can ride our bikes and go up on the main road through the shopping centers and go that way to school. But we looked down by the bridge and there was a pipe. I guess it was a sewer pipe. I don't know. It was about 12 to 18 inches in diameter. And, uh, and so we looked at it and we thought about it. And on a Saturday, we walked down there. And we thought, we can either go all the way around or we can learn to walk this pipe. So we went down there on a Saturday. We didn't want to chance it on a school morning. So we went down there. And we walked about five feet out, turned around and came back, just trying to get comfortable with it. And we spent a long time, and we all wanted to be the bravest and first, but somebody finally went all the way across it. And after that, we did too. And we did it several times until we got confidence. And so going to school was basically the same now. We just went down, and, and we walked over this pipe. A few wouldn't do it, and they, they scooted on it like they were on a horse, and uh, they, they were scared to walk it. And, and, you know, we're about 10 or 11 years old, and there was a boy named Reagan. Uh, I, I, I was seeking and searching for his last name. I can't remember it, but Reagan was younger than us, and he wanted to go with us. And we said, sure, we're, you know, we were skilled in walking across this bridge and uh, across this pipe. And we told him, just watch us. All of us go, and then you go last. And little Reagan gets up there. And he's pretty impressive. He's doing pretty good. And he gets almost to the edge. And he starts to lose his balance. And he 
and he jumps as far as he can and he hits that mud bank and his feet slip down, his face planted in that mud. And I'll never forget him turning around and taking his glasses off. I saw eyes and a mouth and that was it. He got on that on that pipe and he started scooting back the other way, bawling his eyes out, knowing he was going to be in trouble. We saw him a little bit later at school and he had a smile on his face and it was all over. But you see, we had developed a, a skill in walking, uh, those, those others of us, you know. And, and so we, were, we learned how to walk rightly on it. We, we were able to figure out and by practice, you know, how to be diligent and how to be accurate in that walk. And we're told here, see then... That ye walked circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And that's what this word circumspectly means. It means to be diligent. It means to walk with accuracy. It means to walk right. As children of God, we should walk in such a way that is right with the Lord. And we must be battle ready to do so in a world that isn't right, in a world that doesn't like it. The devil doesn't like it. You know, as we're told to walk right in this world, there is a devil who has made the manager of this world, and he knows our unique weaknesses, personally and individually. And where the devil cannot make us do anything, we can't blame him. We can't say the devil made me do it like like Flip Wilson or whatever his name was with that joke. But but he can put those things that tempt us right before you and I and lure us off track or try to And he knows our personal weakness. And he's aiming to personally get you and I off track from walking with the Lord. He is putting those things that are tailor-made for you and I before us just to entice us to do wrong. To try to trick us and to deceive us. As we are to be observing And looking to be diligent in wisdom walking. If we do not walk circumspectly with carefulness as we're commanded to here, we're going to end up just like little old Reagan. We're going to end up in the the mud and the miry clay of this world. It's dangerous for you and I not to walk as God has led us to walk. You know, we've all experienced the weight and the guilt and the regret of some things that we have done and we have said. And when we did those things and said those things, we weren't walking in wisdom. We've all said, I know what I should have done. I know what I should have said, but this is this is what I did. This is what I said. That's when we have knowledge It's great to have knowledge, but if we don't apply it, it doesn't turn out well at all. It's dangerous to lack wisdom. 
We're to walk in wisdom. There's danger and there's deception every step along the way through life. So we must beware as we walk. We must see our walk as very important. That we're obedient to the Lord. That we walk as He would want us to walk. That we realize that we're very sensitive to the temptation that is constantly going to come at our lives. Walk circumspectly. We wouldn't walk on a battlefield with bullets flying or sword slinging or whatever without armor on. And it's just as dangerous to walk in this deceptive world without observance with precision. We're to be sober, to be vigilant. Because Peter said the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That is constantly going on. So we're to walk right as children of God. It's very detrimental not to. We can't walk as the foolish do. The foolish of this world, they live and they walk carelessly. They seem to be carefree, just doing whatever they want, just looking at things from their own views. And we've already shared in messages past, we're not to resemble the world. So obviously, we're not to repeat their steps. The foolish are stumbling in their steps. The foolish are stumbling in darkness every day. There's a local preacher, and, and I think he's near 90 years old now, but he told of a revival meeting that he was called to preach. And, and so he shows up at the church, and they, the deacon shows him where he's going to sleep for the night. And it's in a basement. And they open the door, and they turn on the light, and he looks, and it's an empty room, and there's a bed, a, a, ta- a little table, and a bed and his sheets and a pillow. They were nice enough to give him sheets and a pillow too. And it was all the way over on the other wall. And so he sets his things down. He's not thinking about much. And well, it is what it is. And he goes and he preaches. They have a meal. And then he goes in there to go to sleep. He turns the light on. He goes over and gets, gets in his pajamas, gets all ready. And then realizes to turn the light off. It's way over there at the door, 30 feet away. It's a big basement. So he walks over there, and he turns the light. This is before cell phones, so no flashlight to pull out. He flips that light off, and he just kind of carefully walks, feeling his way back, not really knowing where he's going. And he finally gets to a place where he feels that bed and mattress and and pulls back the sheet and, and gets in and goes to sleep. Look, that... That's a picture of the lost in this world. They do not know their next step. They are walking in darkness. And they don't know where their next step is going to take them. We have been saved out of darkness. We have a Savior 
who is the light of the world. And he has given to you and I light. We have been enlightened. We have a a Savior who has equipped us and commanded us to walk precisely in such a way that is pleasing to him. And we can do so. And that's exciting that we've been taken out of the darkness and into the light. We no longer have to stumble through this world. We no longer have to trip through that ditch of deception that we were once in before we knew the Lord. We are no longer having to walk as the foolish walk. But we are able to walk in the light. We're able to walk wisely as the command is. We're to walk circumspectly. We're to be diligent in our walk and ever so careful knowing the battle that's going on in this world. We need to be battle ready. But not only battle ready, we need to be benefit ready if you'll look with me in verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I have added two definitions through the years of the way I define some things, but it's always been the same since the first time I studied that phrase, redeeming the time. And that means to make the most out of every situation in life. Obviously, for the glory of God. There's a purpose around every corner for you and I, where we can make the most of a situation. In our problems, we can make the most out of a situation for God's glory. In our circle of people, we can... You see it as an opportunity to do good for God. The places we go, God wants his people to be great and to do great things. And to see every opportunity as being able to do something great in him and because of him. When we are benefit ready every occasion... Whether we see it as positive or negative, happy or sad, it's always an opportunity to do good, to do God-glorifying kind of good. This is our challenge that we're given here. And there's a couple of things, well, there's probably several things, a couple of things that hinder us from really having that focus of making the most out of every opportunity as representatives of Christ, as children of God, we're hindered by busyness sometimes. We're just sometimes too busy for the Lord's business. And there's some things that we may need to prioritize in order to be able to do this. There's some things we just need to shave out of the schedule of our week. It seems to happen to me every year toward the beginning of the year not that I believe in the power of January 1st but it just seems like around that time that I cut cut this out or cut back on this we can enjoy life sure we can but first things first and we need to be redeeming the time we need to be making the most 
out of every situation for God. And busyness will keep us from doing so. Simply wasting time will keep us from doing so. Man, I, I can't stand waste. I, I waste some things, but I can't stand it. I can't stand the thought of, of all the food and all the dumpsters behind all the restaurants every night. All that food wasted. I'll never forget a sermon Pastor Stone preached about 15 years ago about the tragedy of a wasted life. And he started with talking about his mama making potatoes. And she'd make them one way this way. And the leftovers, she'd make them another way the, the following day. And even a different way the third day. And, and maybe about the fourth day, she'd make potato cakes. And he said, I couldn't wait till she got to potato cake. Those potatoes did not get wasted. And, you know, and we talk about stewardship month. We talk about, you know, the stewardship of our treasures. We talk about the stewardship of our talents. And we also talk about the stewardship of our time. And our time is very valuable. It is something we're responsible for to God. And there's a waste of time that keeps us from doing what we should for God. There are good things we do, but if it's a little too much and, and in the wrong way, then it cuts out the greatest thing. And the greatest thing we are to do is to make the most out of every situation for God. We're to be benefit ready. When we think about redeeming the time because the days are evil, that word time is, it's talking about the time we have here on earth. And, you know, and one might think that that would create an urgency in what we're to be doing. And we are to be consistent and we are to be diligent in what we do. And we are to be sensitive to every opportunity. But however, the opposite of an urgency is really what our life is going to walk through. We're really going to slow down. We're really going to need to slow down to truly be redeeming the time, slowing down to be sensitive to the occasions before us to be a blessing. We're, when we're too busy, we're not available. And a lot of times it's going to be that availability that we have to have to be that blessing, to do that good that we need to do for God's glory. A young, zealous Christian was once told, Look, you can't save the world. And, and the answer to that person was, well, yes, I can. One at a time. One person at a time, we can. And so there's a, there's a zeal for you and I to have concerning redeeming the time in these evil days that we're in. We have been empowered to make an impact. And we should look to do so in every situation. I had a friend and he was a salesman. And the way they trained him to sell. They said everyone who walks through that door. I want you to envision uh, a bill. A bill of money. Cash. On their forehead. Whether it be a 20, a 50 or a 100. And you, you know what you have to sell to get that much for your commission. And I want you to. The boss told him I want you to picture that. And I want you to say whatever you need to say. Serve them however you need to serve them. Do whatever you need to do to get that. A lot of you are going to be 
scared of the salesman when you walk in the store now. But, hey, be careful. But you and I should be just as passionate with opportunities. We should be looking for what we can do for the Lord in a good way in these opportunities that come about. We are to picture a God-glorifying outcome to every opportunity that we get in the midst of. Whether it's delightful, whether it's difficult, whatever the situation, it's a good focus to have. And we should have zeal for that, for, for the greatest outcome that can be given. It'll really change our responses. It'll really change our attitude. It'll really change and we'll just see something far above the person before us or the situation that we're dealing with. When we're called from heaven to be redeeming the time. Need to cut down on busyness and waste. The song says, take time to be holy. Speak oft of thy Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessings to seek. That's a good foundation for redeeming the time. For us to be doing those things with our time. That's a good foundation. It's a good foundation for complaining less about this wicked world and countering with good in every opportunity. The days are evil. That's what this world needs. The world needs to see good from God's people. We need to be benefit ready for walking in wisdom. But also, in verse 17, we need to be Bible ready. Wherefore, be ye not unwise... But understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, everything is perfectly placed in the Bible. And sometimes we can see how so. And as we look in the beginning of this verse, wherefore be ye not unwise. Just before that, it says because the days are evil. And just after that, it says understanding what the will of of the Lord is. Our lives are to be opposite of the foolish. I taught the book of Proverbs for three years and went very slowly through it. And you see the wise and you see the unwise through much of Proverbs. You see the unwise and what they do and what they say and how they think. And then you see the wise within one verse, you'll see the contrast, the differences in the two. And we're we're to be different from this world. The unwise, the unsaved, you can also say the unwise are the uninformed. Yet the uninformed need to be informed that they're uninformed. The unwise in this world, they, they don't worship God. Maybe they, don't, maybe they say they don't really believe in God. They, they don't read the Bible. They don't go to a church. But they really want to tell you where they think God stands on this. And who God is. And who He is to us. 
They might even say they know what God wants them to do. But the unsaved, they cannot have understanding of what the will of the Lord is. I tell you what, it's a blessing to be a child of God. And it's a blessing to be able to know what the will of God is for our lives. God has made himself clear in his word. There is such a vain, wasted debate about God in this world, about what his standard is, about what he's done for us or, or how we are to live. What a waste it is because God has clearly expressed what he expects. There's a world out there that's confused about God and they're confused about true religion and it's not God's fault. Because we can clearly understand God as the Spirit explains the Scriptures to us as we read and study. And this is a key for you and I. This is a key in this challenge, this charge that we've been given. In walking in wisdom and redeeming the time. I talked about a busyness that hinders redeeming the time. And we need to slow down and we need to get alone with God and his word. And that's going to make us more effective in redeeming the time. Not to run around in an urgency, jumping in and out of everything. But to slow down and spend time with God in written form. God has given us his word. Which is his mind, his thoughts, his judgments, and his will. It is food for our soul. We will not redeem the time without reading the word. It's not going to happen. It is a necessity. Without the word taken in, we will entangle ourselves with this world. Rather than making the most out of every situation for the possible saving of a lost soul or for the glorifying of God or for the encouraging of a saint to be obedient to what he has called us to do. If we're not in his word, we're not going to do that. You know the saying. The saying is this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. It is so true. It is so true. It is seen. It, people are walking that statement on one side or the other. And it's so clear to see. It's so easy. We have food for the soul to be redeeming the time. It's the word of God that's going to give you and I the focus and the desire to be redeeming the time. To be making the most out of those opportunities. Look, wisdom, we clearly said that it's application of knowledge. But we can't do any applying if there is no knowledge. So we need to be understanding what the will of the Lord is. And we do that by understanding what the word of the Lord is. Our walk in wisdom can grow more 
as we know more. There was a preacher, and he wasn't a big-time preacher. He never got asked to preach other places and things like that. And this little humble preacher got called to, to go overseas to preach a revival. Man, he was on the next plane, and he was across that water, and it was a, you know, kind of a rough, poor area. And the, the, the inviting preacher came to pick him up in, a, in an old car, and they're going down the road. They're just going to get back in time for the service. And, and the car stalls, breaks down. And, and they're trying to figure out what was wrong. And they realize the gas gauge was broken after they talked to someone else. They had run out of fuel. That car died because it ran out of fuel. They got some gas. Two preachers out pushing this car behind it. And they got some gas and they put some gas in that car and that car fired up and it was ready to do exactly what it was meant to do. Transport those two preachers to that meeting. You know, if these two preachers would have stopped and prayed about it, I don't think anything would have happened. They needed petroleum, not prayer. I don't think that would have done anything. These are two men of God in that car. But it didn't matter considering the problem that they had. Okay? It wouldn't help the situation whatsoever. The car wouldn't budge until it was fed. And so you and I see before us the challenge that we have from God's word. And I tell you what. I preached a sermon backwards a few weeks ago, and, and it worked out pretty good. I didn't do it again, but I was tempted to. Because as we look at this backwards from verse 17 to verse 15, in order to walk as wise, redeeming the time, we must feed on the word of God for this to happen. It's no, we're not going to white knuckle it in our own ability. We're not going to, to just pray it into existence. It's going to have to be understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's going to take feeding on the word of God to accomplish this challenge. So let's not completely backwards, but look in verse 17. For us to walk as wise, we need to be Bible ready. And then when you go back to verse 15, we see that we'll then be battle ready and then go to verse 16 and then we're going to be benefit ready. I mean, that's that's opposite of what we're naturally going to think of. Others and other situations and anything we could do, maybe sacrificing ourselves to make the most out of every situation for the glory of God. That's the charge tonight. To walk as wise. To walk as wise. And to make the most. Out of every opportunity. Well next week. We are going to be in just. Verse 18. I was tempted to include a little bit of it here. But next week we're going to share. Walking. In the spirit. And that's how we, we find that we're going to do everything for the Lord and to serve him. Um, Brother Nolan Irvin, would you please close our Bible study?
in prayer tonight. It was good to see everyone that was here and to have our guests. God bless you all. Our Father, we're so thankful.